0: God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Professor Darren Ong, recording from Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian Saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today we commemorate St. John of Beverley. He was a Benedictine monk and bishop from the Yorkshire region of England, who lived in the late 7th and early 8th centuries. He is known for his miracle working. Let us read a short summary of his life from the Catholic News Agency. St. John of Beverley was the Bishop of Hexham. And later of York. He was born in Harpham, Yorkshire, and died in Beverley on May 7th, 721. As a youth, John manifested a strong desire to devote his life to God, and eventually left his native Yorkshire and travelled to Kent, where he studied at the famous ecclesiastical school of St Theodore, Archbishop of Canterbury, He returned to Yorkshire upon the completion of his studies and joined a Benedictine monastery where he devoted himself to contemplation. He was called out of his monastic seclusion to be consecrated as Bishop of Hexham in 687, a see he occupied for 18 years while still managing to devote time to contemplation and the study of scripture. With the death of St. Bosa, Archbishop of York, John was transferred to York and served there until his retirement from ill health in the year 717. He spent his last four years in a monastery that he built at Beverly. John was renowned for the miracles that he performed, both during his life and those that took place after his death. Most famously, he cured a young man who was dumb, and had reportedly never spoken a word in his life, and obtained from him the ability to speak. He took the young man under his wing, and patiently taught him the alphabet and the fundamentals of the language. After his death in 721, owing to the many miracles that occurred through his intercession, His burial site at Beverley became one of the most popular pilgrimage sites in England. He was canonized by Pope Benedict IX in the year 1037. The renowned English mystic Julian of Norwich and the martyred bishop Saint John Fisher, who was from Beverley, had a great devotion to Saint John. Let us read a little bit about St. John's accomplishments as bishop. He held two seas, the Sea of Hexham and the Sea of York. This is an excerpt from a biography of the saint, written by Andreas Moran, a reader of the Eastern Orthodox Church, published in the orthochristian.com website. In the year 687, St Theodore consecrated St John, Bishop of Hexham, in succession to St Ether, and where St Cuthbert had been bishop from 684 to 685. St John administered his diocese with all proper care, travelling everywhere and not forgetting even the smallest community. He ordained St Bede as deacon, perhaps in 692, and then as priest nine years later. In the year 705, St. John was consecrated Bishop of York. The city was called Iboricum by the Romans, and it was here that St. Constantine was proclaimed Roman Emperor in the year 306. In 314, the city had sent its bishop to the Council of Arles. The diocese must have disappeared after the Romans left, and it was renewed when St. Paulinus, sent to England by St. Gregory the Dialogist, became Bishop of York in 626. It was not, however, called York until the Vikings settled in the region from the year 866. St. John was the fifth Bishop of York. It was sometimes wrongly said that St. John was Archbishop, but York did not become an Archdiocese until the year 735. In his diocese, he cared constantly for his flock and did more miracles of healing. At the convent of Walton, near Beverley, the abbess full of faith begged St. John to pray for a nun who was near to death. He went to the convent and blessed the sick nun. Later, when the community was at the dining table, word came that the nun was recovered and all gave thanks to God. On another occasion, St. John was asked to visit the house of a nobleman whose wife was seriously ill. The Holy Servant of God gave orders that the water he had blessed be given to the woman. Her recovery was instant, her former strength returned, and she was able to join the company and serve them following the example of St. Peter's mother-in-law. When the Holy Bishop was asked by a nobleman called Abbey to consecrate a church on his land, he did so and then was asked by Adi to visit a young servant who was close to death. So serious was the boy's condition that the coffin was in the room, ready to receive his body. Soon after, the saint prayed for him. The boy recovered and lived in good health for many years. St. John organized the training and education of the young men in his area. One such was called Haribald. One day, when a company of young men was out riding their horses, they decided to have a race. Saint John forbade Haribald to take part, but he was tempted and disobeyed him. Haribald fell from his horse, and his skull was crushed. The holy bishop was full of grief for the young man, and spent the whole night in prayer. The next day Haribald felt a little better, but then St. John learned that the young man had not had valid baptism. The man of God breathed upon him, and Heribald immediately felt better, and in fact recovered so quickly that he was able to travel the day after. Heribald was later ordained and became abbot of a monastery. As part of his organisation of the education of young men, St. John founded Beverly Grammar School in the year 700, The school is the oldest state high school in in England and has an excellent reputation, especially in practical subjects such as the sciences, so continuing the tradition begun by St John. Towards the end of his episcopal ministry, St John would often go secretly at night to a chapel to pray. On one such occasion, his deacon Sigur looked through a hole in the chapel door and saw the saint at prayer with the divine light blazing above his head, and the Holy Spirit like a dove above him. Sigur's face was scorched by the light and heat, and Saint John heard his cries of pain. Taking Sigur into the chapel, he touched his face which was immediately healed. He told Sigur not to tell of this until after he, Saint John, had died. In later years, the holy bishop found it necessary to retire and so he left York and founded a monastery at Beverley in 714. There is a tangible link with St. John, because his bishop's throne still is situated in the Minster. For many centuries, this chair, called the Fritzstool or Peace Chair, was a place of sanctuary where those fleeing from the law could find safety. In his monastery in 721, St. John ended his life in this world. The town of Beverley grew up around the monastery, and in the 13th century, the present magnificent church, Beverley Minster, was built. In the centuries which followed, the saint's tomb at Beverley was a place of pilgrimage for kings and simple people. His monastery church was rebuilt, and still stands as one of the most beautiful early churches in England. In the year 1548, King Henry VIII ordered the destruction of the shrine and the closing of the monastery. The saint's relics were preserved and later buried simply under the floor of the church. One notable historical occasion attributed to Saint John of Beverley's miracle working is the Battle of Argincourt the great victory of the English King Henry V over the French in the Hundred Years' War. This battle occurred on the 25th of October, 1415. 25th October is the commemoration of the Feast of Translation for St. John, that is, the day that his relics were moved. King Henry V believed that St. John's intercessions played a part in his military success and so he made a pilgrimage to Beverley and declared Saint John a patron of the royal family. Let us read about the connection between Saint John and the Battle of Agincourt from an article titled Agincourt and Saint John of Beverley in the magazine Just Beverley. This article was published in October 2015, just a few days before the 600th anniversary of the famous battle. On the 25th of October, England celebrates the 600th anniversary of King Henry V's victory against a numerically superior French army at Argincourt. The win was attributed to the blessings afforded on the English army by St John of Beverley, whose banner was used to rally the troops, and whose Feast of Translation is celebrated on October 25th. St John was born in Harpen, He trained as a priest in Canterbury, becoming Bishop of Hexham in 687 and then York in 705. He was also a member of the Whitby community and some sources say he ordained his friend Bede as deacon and priest. He founded Beverley by building the first structure here, a monastery on the site which is now occupied by Beverley Minster. John was a popular teacher Caring to his many pupils and the wider community. John spent his last days in a manner pleasing to God at the monastery. He died on the 7th of May 721 and was buried in the monastery chapel. He was canonized in the year 1037. John was not only renowned for his miracles of healing, but also for his reputation of granting victory in battle. In the year 937, King Athelstan, visited St. John's tomb in Beverley to ask for his prayers in his forthcoming battle against the Scots, which was won. In thanksgiving, the king bestowed collegiate status on the monastery, which meant the canons were expected to go out to preach and teach in the neighbourhood, which made the church into a minster. He gave the canons land to support the minster and gave it the right of sanctuary the prosperity of Beverley owes much to St. John. In 1138, St. John's banner was one of the banners which was used to inspire the Yorkshiremen fighting the invading Scots at the Battle of the Standard near Northallerton. From that time on, levies for Yorkshire armies would be nullified as long as a man was sent with the banner. Edward I, Edward II, Edward III, Henry IV, as well as Henry V, used the banner in their campaigns. John was canonized in 1037 when he became St. John of Beverley. After St. John's death, the Minster building was redeveloped until eventually it became the building we know and love today. His remains were translated, that is, moved to his current tomb, on October 25, 1307, on the day of the Battle of Agincourt. In 1415, it is said that blood and oil were seen running from the tomb. Henry V visited Beverly in 1420 and made Saint John a patron of the royal family and decreed that Saint John's feast day should be celebrated throughout England. On May the 7th, or the Sunday closest to May 7th, Saint John is celebrated by the minister with well decoration and services. But on October 25th, 2015, his memory will be celebrated in King Henry V's great victory at Agincourt. The most famous relic associated with St. John of Beverly is his banner, used by English soldiers to seek divine favour in battle. Most commonly in wars against the Scots. We will read an excerpt from an essay written by an anonymous fellow of the Society of Antiquaries of Scotland titled The Banner of St. John of Beverley. The holy relic known as the Banner of St. John of Beverley stands, literally, in the forefront of the history of warfare between English and Scottish rulers through many ages. It holds precedence as an English talisman, a symbol of English supremacy. John of Beverley was a Yorkshire lad, born in Humberside at Harpen, East Riding. He must have shown promise, for in the time of Hadrian, the abbot of St Augustine's Abbey in Canterbury, we find him a student of that famous abbey school. After his education, the young John returned to Yorkshire and entered St Hilda's Double Monastery, at Whitby. In 687, his life and abilities were sufficiently outstanding that he was consecrated Bishop of Hexham, in succession to Eta, who, whilst Abbot of Melrose, had been the teacher of St. Cuthbert. John was renowned for his special care for the poor and handicapped. As bishop, he was responsible for ordaining the great historiographer, Venerable Bede, both deacon and priest. In 705, John was translated to the See of York, and during his episcopate, he founded the Minster Church of Beverley, retiring there in 717. It was at the Minster that he died on the 7th of May, 721. Before long, a cult of pilgrimage to his tomb flourished, and there were many stories of miracles. As a consequence, he became known as a saint by popular acclaim this being before the days when the Vatican's mechanisms for canonizations were promulgated. In the year 934, King Athelstan attacked Scotland by land and sea, and it is thought that he carried, as was common practice, various relics with him, including some of St. John of Beverly. Athelstan attributed his victory to St. John. The King of Scots never seems to have offered battle, and the English land force harried his country. As far as Fordun and Kincardineshire, Will's defeat ravaged the coasts up Caithness. From this time, the banner relic was carried by a succession of English rulers on expeditions against the Scots. In 937, Athelstan and his brother Edmund utterly destroyed an invasion from the north at an as yet unidentified site named as Bruneburg. Again, the crushing victory was attributed to St. John of Beverley. With those of St. Peter of York and St. Wilfred of Ripon, St. John's banner was carried at the Battle of the Standard, two miles north of Northallerton, where the English forces, commanded by Archbishop Thurston of York, faced those of King David I of the Scots on the 22nd of August 1138. In 1296, Anthony Beck, the Prince Bishop of Durham, in command of King Edward I's forces, carried the banner of St John of Beverley in the van as the English king completed the process of subjugation that still echoes round the glens of Scotland. It is recorded that on 27th of November, 1300, King Edward returned the banner of St John to the chapter of Beverley and that of St Cuthbert to the prior and convent of Durham. Edward I visited Beverly Minster himself on at least three occasions, in 1296, 1297, and 1300, and it became a habitual stopping point in his itinerary on every northern expedition against the Scots. But in this he was not alone, since the banner was also used in military campaigns by King Edward II, King Edward III, and King Henry IV. Also, King Richard II stopped at Beverley on his Scottish campaign of 1385, But Edward went one step further, and in 1295, he established a chantry in Beverly Minster, in the saint's honour. In 1301, he added to this foundation, by giving half of a fine that was owed to him by the town, 50 marks, towards the building of the shrine, and ceded the other half, no doubt in the expectation that the town would repay the second half of the debt to the same building fund. In 1415, King Henry V ascribed his famous victory over the King of France at Agincourt to the Yorkshire Saint. The battle took place on the Feast Day of the Saint's translation, 25th of October, 1307, which, of course, was famously also Saint Crispin's Day. It is said that on the day of the battle, blood and oil were seen running from the Saint's shrine in Beverley Minster. Those readers who have military background will understand this notion of the colors and the talismanic, almost sacred notions that are associated with them. Indeed, the regiment's colors are, according to military etiquette, sanctified at a service of dedication, and are thus accorded the honor due to a consecrated object, and are handled according to strict regulations. The order to uncover the colors has sent a shiver down the spine of countless generations of soldiers, a precursor, to the often ultimate test of a regiment's bravery. It is this very same concept that traces its lineage back to the banner of St John of Beverly, as it flew bravely before the English armies, a reminder that God's representatives were on the battlefield, standing firm alongside even the humblest soldier. No accurate description of the appearance of St John's banner has come down to us, but it is known that very often, They were fairly large pieces of brightly coloured cloth, raised so as to hang on a cross tree, at some height above the people or soldiers assembled round about. It would have taken someone with significant resources or physical strength to carry it outside, particularly on a windy day or in battle. The banner itself was usually made of two sheets of cloth, which had the holy relic sewn between them, this latter very often being a piece of cloth known to have been worn by the saint, or associated with him in some other way. The most holy relic would have been a piece of cloth, taken from that within which the body had been wrapped in the coffin. It was common for the coffins of saints to be open on occasion, and for items to be removed that could then be venerated as relics. Pieces of bone, shards of cloth, chalices, croziers, pectoral crosses, etc., for all possible targets. We should remember that not only was the banner a good luck talisman for the army, but it was also designed to strike fear and dread into the enemy since they would recognize it too and know of its holy significance. St. John of Beverly's feast day is on May the 7th, and the translation of his relics is celebrated on October the 25th. He is celebrated as a saint in the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Notably, he just made the cut for being recognised as a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church. He was canonised in 1037, only 17 years before the Great Schism in 1054, separating the Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic Churches. Thank you for listening to the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page in Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. Let us end by reading the Anglican Collect Prayer for St. John Beverly. Prayed on his feast day on May the 7th. Almighty God, who in the life and ministry of John of Beverly, showed in your power, in mighty acts of healing, and in the raising up new foundations for your church. Open our ears to hear your voice, loosen our tongues to sing your praise, and strengthen our hands in love and service. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.